emergency edition of the Angle Angle. If you listen really hard, you can hear the ocean in the background because this is not my house or new recording studio. Kind of wish it was. Most of you know America recently lost one of its most cherished and golden and celebrated voices with the passing of longtime sports announcer Vin Scully. Vin died in his home in California at the age of 94. He's forever known as the voice of the L.A. Dodgers, but for so many Americans, he's also the voice of iconic sports memories spanning six generations. He's the guy who called the 1986 World Series, the immortal Bill Buckner play, as well as the Kirk Gibson home run in Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. He was also the voice of the Dwight Clark catch game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys in the 1981 NFC Championship game. There are a million others. And for so many Americans, uh, we always remember Ben's voice and his ability to call a moment without stepping on it. And it would be hard to find anyone who lasted 60 years in the public eye who had as few detractors the way Vin Scully did. I, I don't think he had one, which is remarkable. I don't think anybody disliked Vin. He tied our past to our present, and he did so without judgment. There was no time did Vin ever say, back in my day, things were better, which I think we all fall victim to as we got older. He never did that. So in 2015, I was covering the Dallas Cowboys training camp in Ventura, California. That's about an hour north of Los Angeles. And just, I had a hair and I decided, you know what? I'll reach out to the Dodgers to see if Vin might do an interview. I thought maybe he might do it, maybe. I thought maybe he'll squeeze me in. Now it was August and at the time there was considerable speculation whether or not Vin would come back for another season. For a while there, Year after year, there was speculation whether or not Vin would ultimately retire and step away. So my thought was he probably was not going to do the interview because invariably I would ask him about that, and he wasn't going to want to talk about that with a reporter he, had, he never knew. Much to my surprise, he agreed to a 15-minute interview. So I drove down to Dodger Stadium. This was August sometime. And if you've never been to Dodger Stadium, make sure to add it to your sports bucket list. It's a great stadium. It's a great place to see a sporting event. It's a great place to sit there and do nothing, uh, quite frankly. And about three hours before first pitch, I arrived, and I sat in the press box, and I'd written out all of my questions I had on my, like 20 of them. I probably could have asked them a million. Dodgers PR person says, Vin's ready. Walk back to his broadcast booth. I walk in, and there's Vin Scully. And he reaches out, we shake hands, and I said, Mr. Scully, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And he holds up his hand, his right hand, and he says, please call me Vin. I'm Vin. A lot of famous people do this. Oh, no, I'm not into formalities. They do it, but they don't really mean it. Because usually somewhere along the line in their ascent to fame and stardom, they have a tendency to forget who they are. Vin never did that. This was not some empty gesture at humility. He meant it. He was completely aware of who he was and what he meant to so many people. And he did not want to do anything to endanger those sentiments to me or anyone else. So we sat in his booth at Dodger Stadium. I recorded the interview, which we will play a portion of here shortly. And the really fun part of the conversation was conversing with that voice that I had known for so long through television for decades. He was the same guy. So I'm 15 minutes into this conversation, and I'm hyper aware of time. I, I know he's pressed for time because he's busy. 
and I'm getting ready to ask the next question. I've got a million more of them. And he says, hey, i got to get going. It wasn't rude. It was just, we're pros. I did you a solid. i got to get going. And I stood up, thanked him so much. And at the end of the interview, I wasn't going to do it. And I thought, you know what? i got to do it. I said, Vin, can I get a picture with you? And he says, sure, we can get a picture. So he hands, I hand my phone to the Dodgers guy and he takes the picture and you can see the smile on my face. I've got this giant cheesy smile and I was so excited. I was so starstruck uh, that I had this opportunity. Uh, it is needless to say with great sadness that we are all sad that Vin Scully is gone uh, because he meant so much to so many people. But I am happy to say, so happy to say that in his life, he was the person you hoped he would be. I've probably shut up on a roar of a crowd longer than anybody in the business. When uh, Henry Aaron broke the record uh, in Atlanta, mm -hmm. I believe it was like a minute and 30 seconds. I never said a word. Is that hard? No, not for me, and I'll tell you why. The reason I got started in the direction of broadcasting, I was eight years old, and I wrote a composition that I wanted to be a sports announcer. Now, when I was eight, the only thing we had, to my knowledge in those days, was college football on Saturday afternoon. They were the only broadcast on the network. All three networks had a football game. And we had this big old radio, four legs, and I used to crawl under it with a pillow. And my head would be directly under the speaker. And it could be Mississippi, Alabama, or you know, Texas, Oklahoma. It didn't mean anything to a little kid in New York, except I would crawl under. And when someone did something well, and the crowd roared, the roar would come out of the speaker like water out of a shower. And I would just get so excited over the roar of the crowd. And I used to think, oh, I'd love to be there. And then the evolution began. I'd love to be there. I'd love to be the guy there. I'd love to be broadcasting. That's how it built. So when something happens, when I shut up, I'm still that eight-year-old kid under the radio. When Henry hit his home run in 74, uh, first row here, back here, it was water and stuff. I took the headset off, walked back, forks were water. Oh, sure. But there was nothing I could say better. Because anybody listening knew what had happened. So all I did was stay out of it. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. I guess the best all-around player I ever saw, with the emphasis on me, was Willie Mays. Uh, but there have been great players along with Willie. I mean, as far as swinging the bat, you don't get any better than Ted Williams or Stan Musial or Roberto Clemente. So there have been plenty of great players. But I saw a lot of Mays because he was with the Giants. We played the Giants 22 times a year. Plus, the Giant games are on television in New York when we go back in Brooklyn. So I could see Willie play you know, an awful lot. And that, that's probably one reason why I have felt that he's the best. Now, Mike Trout uh, has all of the abilities to be a great player. And I just hope that he stays healthy and stays the good citizens that I understand that he is. 
But in my mind, I mean, I can remember Mel Allen, the great Yankee broadcaster. He left, they kept on playing. Red Barber with the Dodgers, they kept on playing. Russ Hodges with the Giants, Jack Buck with the Cardinals, Harry Carey with the Cubs, uh, Milo Hamilton down in Texas. I mean, we will all leave and the game will go right on along, whether we're there or not. And I've had that thought a long, long time.